Welcome to Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline, the podcast. If you're one of the people who have stopped by our blog at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com, thanks for reading and for finding us here. If this is the first time you've heard of us, we're glad you found the podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jacqueline. And we're back here in the book cave for another exciting episode. 28. 28. Who would have thought? Like, we're going on almost two years? Two years. Two years. Yeah, we are. We are. This summer will be two years. Huh. Hmm. I hadn't done the, the timeline math. I was just telling somebody that I work with about this podcast. Every once in a while, I like, <laughs> quote Share unquote, it. accidentally <laughs> drop it into conversation. Right. <laughs> and um, she was like, oh, I didn't know you had one. And I said, yeah, you know, we started it when we had some extra time. I said we had to slow down our our uh, our numbers of books. But um, right. yeah. And I told her that um, it's easy for us because our audio engineer <laughs> does audio engineering in his real life (laughs) right cuts out all the mistakes we just get to do the creative part and he makes us sound good so thanks tim (laughs) (laughs) he makes it sound seamlessly so like we're not stuttering and there's the ums and the uh likes and all that kind of stuff yeah Mm -hmm. and the things like when we accidentally bump the glass on the microphone (laughs) Right. right because we read a book with a British setting and British characters. Yes. This month we're talking about The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And when I did a search for like the most British of cocktails, the martini <laughs> was high on the list. I got to say, my, my martinis that I drink are generally lemon drop or sure. chocolate, chocolate yeah. or <laughs> something. Yep. Um, um, well, and I think, they, I think it came up in like a British search. It's James Bond's fault. Oh, right, right. Because right. Right. he orders his shaken, shake not, not stirred. stirred. But what's that little interesting tidbit yeah, you told me? You're, just, not, you're not supposed to shake it. I just learned this. I didn't, I, you know, for for as many times as we've recorded and talked about <laughs> cocktails, I still don't know all the rules about drink making. And so I just read in an article about making a classic martini that if if a drink is only made of alcoholic ingredients. So there's no mixers or anything. And today's is only alcoholic ingredients. Yes, it is. You are supposed to stir, not shake. And the, and the reason people order martinis shaken is to get them really, really cold. I don't know. I managed to get it really, really cold. Yeah, my glass With is just cold. stirring it. I had to do it for like 30 or 40 seconds, but it, it worked. Yeah. So just load up your shaker with ice. Okay. All right, so let's try it. Let's give it Cheers. a shot. Cheers. Holy mother of pearl. Whoa. Oh, I don't hate it. Whoa. Oh, you don't like it? No. I can see it on your face. No, it's just a little. <laughs> no. Mm. It's a little um, juniper-y. It's gin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little wine. And then there's olives in it. So I get a little bit of like a fruity olive or I don't know, something. Yeah. So we did it Ooh. very classically. Our garnish is green olives um we did not make these dirty martinis they're they're just dry vermouth and gin <laughs> um Ooh. i don't know it would be maybe a little i don't know how the briny taste of the olive juice would be with the pine of the gin oh <laughs> it warms you right <laughs> up doesn't it i can Ooh, feel it burning something. i can feel it burning in my chest a little bit hmm. I, like, I like dirty martinis we'll make another set after. okay <laughs> Oh, and I feel a little bad now looking at you, Kelly, drinking this because you wanted vodka martinis. And I was like, no, no, it says gin. <laughs> but I like gin, too. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's the, ver- 
I don't know. Maybe don't it's because it's maybe it's because it's basically straight gin, it's and I don't just do. booze. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's not bad. I don't understand though. I mean, I guess it's because it's TV. But like every time you see someone in a TV show or in a movie drinking this, they drink it like it's a shot. Oh. I'm not going to do that with this. Well, that's way too much to be a shot. Yeah. I. I oh yeah. Well, when it's usually when they're angry. Yeah. They drink always down like, it. I need a martini, and then it's like two <laughs> drinks, and it's gone. And I, like I wouldn't put this back in two drinks, even if I was mad. That would just make me madder. I think. Ooh, okay. But I don't hate it. No, I I don't hate um, it either. It's just ooh. this is I'll uh, this is my first martini that's not been actually some other sort of fruity cocktail kind. Um, first like classic style. I wonder if someone who knew what they were doing made it. If it would be. Different. I just, well, what, how can I you mean, mess I, up gin and vermouth? I, I don't mean, know. Seriously. I, why are some bartenders better than others? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but it's not bad. I don't hate it. And um, I'll finish it. Well, duh. But <laughs> so, you know, even when we hate it, we barely only let them go to waste. Bad, bad one was that dark rum. Oh, that was the only. It bad always one. comes back to the it dark does. rum. It does. Oh yeah, so that was not I can great. handle this. All right. All right. So yeah, this one. It. It. Yeah. It's. A, there's a nice warm feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, and very much so. We'll we'll work on these as we talk about the book. Right. Okay, but before we talk about the Midnight Library, what are you reading now? Oh, I am still working through my seven Ellen Hildebrand books. Oh. Um, so <laughs> I'm reading them in order. Okay, I'm having a hard time figuring out what the order is because every book is something different. Well, when you say order, you mean chronologically as she wrote them? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so apparently, I should be on Summer People, so that would be the third one that she. Okay. So I think I'm, that's one of the only ones I haven't read yet. Okay. I so I'm um I thought it was the Blue Bistro, but it wasn't apparently. Um Okay. Because I'm going by publication date. Okay. And so I'm reading Summer People. I haven't started yet because I just technically finished the Midnight Library. So. Yeah. Today. <laughs> like today. <laughs> like maybe. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. when I saw you last weekend and you said I'm enjoying it and I was like, Oh my god, I haven't even started the oh, book yet. Oh. I probably should start reading it. I read it that day. So yeah. Or I guess over the weekend, yeah. but um, yeah. So I hope I hope I can recall all the details that I noted as important. Um, okay, so you're reading Summer People, Ellen Hildebrand, mm-hmm. and you finished this. Yes. Okay, I'm uh, currently listening to A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah Mass Mass M A A S. Um, and then and I started listening to it. Somebody at work was reading it. They highly recommended it. I found it on Hoopla. Shameless plug for a library resource. <laughs> right. Found it on Hoopla. And then I read an article shortly afterwards that says it's it's really, it's going to get real racy. And, I, and <laughs> I you're listening to I it? I didn't know that when I checked out the audiobook. Um, I, haven't, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but it's long. It's like a 16-hour audiobook. Oh. So, oh. And the books are hefty. They're like doorstop size. Oh, so, okay. um, so far, it's pretty good. Um, it's fantasy and it's got like mortal and immortal realms oh. and and right now there's like a little bit of a beauty and the beast vibe going on because she the main character, Farah, um, has violated a treaty that was written hundreds of years ago, only she didn't know she was doing it. And so the um the being from the immortal realm has come to like claim her for her violation she killed she killed somebody okay and um he gave her the choice of coming to live like at in his realm instead of death 
and she chose it but now she's like we've spent the first five hours of this book with her trying to figure out how she can get out oh and so there's a little bit of fantasy there's a little bit of like yeah most kidnapping victims try to get away so there's <laughs> well, that right. and um and so but we i just i'm just getting into a part where she's starting to see um that her so-called captor and, and he's not a he's not her host. <laughs> I don't really know what to no, call him. He wouldn't the other be. guy, the guy who's who's you know realm she's living in now, um, is trying his best to be fair, and she's starting to understand that maybe he doesn't mean her any harm while she's there, other than she can't leave, and she's still trying to reconcile that a little bit. Um, and then I finished the plot by. I think it's Correlitz, K-O-R-E-L-I-T-Z. Um, I had read rave reviews of this one kind of all over the place. Um, and so I I started listening to it and then I found out that listening to it was no good because there's a lot of there's a little bit of timeline bouncing and I was having a hard time remembering oh, like where we were. Right. Um, but I did finish it and um, I was really proud of myself because I I solved one of the great questions early on in the story and was like really smug when I got to the end and it turned out to be true. <laughs> um, but I was also, I was surprised by the way the book ended. So that was, I was relieved there because I was like halfway through the book, I was like, I know who this is. <laughs> and then I was like reading it like, you know, as if that was true. And it turned out to be true, but there still was a little surprise at the end. So oh, that's that was good. good. Okay, your face is not really when you took a sip of that either. <laughs> I was, like, preparing for it. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so we've we've talked about what we're drinking. We've talked about what we're reading. Are you ready to spoil? Yes. <laughs> the Midnight Library. We're, we are. Okay, three, two, one, spoiler alert. Okay, quick summary here, right? Here we go. Okay, so we have the protagonist, who is Nora, mm-hmm. and she, what, is maybe early 30s? late 20s early 30s yeah. something like that anyway she's very unhappy with her life and um she lives alone um she has a cat but then find out the cat just you know dies in the first like chapter and so that sets her over the edge but she's not happy about the decisions she's made in her life um and so she decides that she's going to take her life yep and uh so she swallows some pills and uh she ends up in a, in a place between life and death mm-hmm. called the Midnight Library. Yeah. And the Midnight Library is... This is not the kind of library we work in. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it is a fascinating library. It, it was a, is an interesting concept. Yes. So the Midnight Library is all of her lives that... All the possibilities of her lives that are there if she would have made just one tiny decision later. So they're either a parallel life or they're a perpendicular life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so she meets her, uh, the the librarian in the Midnight Library is is different for everybody. So her particular librarian is the actual librarian that she had when she was in middle or high school or something like that, who really made a difference in her life and helped her through some some things. So Mrs. Elm is the librarian in the Midnight Library and helping her navigate through the shelves of her life. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so um, turns out that 
everybody has um, a book of regret, regrets in the Midnight Library. You know, like you, yeah. when you go between life and death, everybody has their book of regrets. And that's basically what this library is. It, so her book of regrets is this huge book that she could hardly carry because yeah. she had so many. Because she felt that I felt sad for her when I, she described the size of that book. I know, yeah. and then and then the books on the shelves are all the alternative lives she could have had if she made a different decision. So basically, she has this chance to go back and experience what it would have her life would have been if she had made a different decision along yeah. the way. And as she experiences them and comes to realization, that book of regrets gets lighter and lighter and lighter because it turns out that. What she thought would have been a better decision wasn't always a better decision. Yeah. And it's it's funny. One of the things that I thought about when I was when Mrs. Elm was explaining the book of regrets to Nora is like, what's the definition of a regret? Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess I always that's a to me, that's like an all caps word. Like, it's something that um, like I don't I don't regret not going to opening day yesterday. Do you know what no, I mean? Like, but, I don't. You know, let me tell you, I do regret sometimes buying a pair of shoes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a big one, or, though. You, or, wear, <laughs> you wear shoes all the time. Um, or, like, maybe a hair color. Or, yeah. But it's not life. I don't regret anything it's in not life. Life altering. But I might regret my hair color or my hair cut or what I wore that day or. <laughs> Or something yeah. like that, but it's not life altering. But, yeah, but I'm not sure that those those, like, those decisions were not things that like affected my life path. No, like would it would would my life change because I wore a pair of blue shoes instead of a red shoe? I don't I, think right. so. I, and I mean, I guess we'll never know. Well, but, we like, won't. I I so I wondered very first when we read this concept of the book of regrets. I was like, I wonder like what are what are they classifying in here? Right. And every time she changed her like life path in the library when she picked a new book off the shelf did and and she got over one of those big ones and like what an example was um not marrying the guy oh damn she left him two days before the wedding or whatever she that was one of the big ones in the book now are there like tiny sub regrets underneath right not marrying dan that get wiped clean when she finds out that was actually not the life she was meant to live right i don't know does like rethinking one regret or understanding one how one regret shouldn't have you know didn't put you in a better place does it anything that do all those ones that would have been in that path get dismissed too i don't know it seems like they'd have to right because if the book was that hefty and some of those were like written in heavier ink than others and they faded you know kind of slowly it seems like you would have like maybe whole chapters could be erased once you figured out a different timeline right and there's a scene in the book um and i noted this because it was it was just like a whole chapter dedicated to a list of lives that she lived. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did I say that right? A list of lives, lives that, that she, she lived. lived. Yes. yes. Um, and I was like, this is this is kind of fascinating that she or that they were able to Matt Haig was able to come up with this whole list of things that one decision here and there would have made all of these things different. Um, There were things like. Um, in one life, she was a single parent to a baby who couldn't sleep. In one life, she ran the showbiz column in a tabloid newspaper, and she wrote about that actor that she was mildly obsessed with. Oh, Ryan Bailey. Yeah. Um, in one life, she was an aid worker. In one life, she volunteered in a homeless shelter. In one life, she slept on other people's couches. 
she lived in Canada. Like, like they were, and it was just this whole, like, yeah. I feel like the whole chapter was just things that she, she went back and did. Right. Right. And though she would have never experienced those in her real life. Do you know what I mean? Well, and then I have to tell you that all the discussion of physics just oh, like whoosh, the quantum right theory, over my head. The quantum I, theory or something like that. I, I mean, I got the gist of it. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist in that way. So. Right. <laughs> but when the guy in Sweden or Norway, where, where was she studying oh, glaciers? Oh, Svalbard. Yeah. Norwegian. Yeah. Nor- Norway. Okay. Um, when he started trying to explain <laughs> oh, <laughs> the physics behind it and how he was what they called a slider, like between yeah, lives. Because he was one of her. He was her. Yes. But, you know, and he had a different library with a different librarian. And for whatever reason, that see, that chapter specifically and that those scenes with, um, what was his name? Huey or Hugh. 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 Huey, Hugh, something like that. The scenes with him reminded me very much of Una Out of Order. Oh, yes. I've, I got Una Out of Order vibes through this whole book. I felt like she ran into some one other person like him, but recognized it, but didn't really engage. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, so I, once they, when they started talking about the physics, I, I, I read faster. <laughs> you know what's funny? So the thing about the Midnight Library is the clock never changes. You always start at midnight, right? Mm-hmm. So you're always at zero, zero, zero. You're at midnight. And so time doesn't move forward. But when you pop into a different life, um, it's always at midnight or, you know, whatever. But you pop in and you have no idea about when you are. These people see you. Yeah. But you have no idea how who they are or how you've inter- interact with them before. And do you know what I mean? And so she's like trying to figure things out. as she. So she seems crazy when she pops into right. these lives. Like because, she's forgotten the basics. Yes. And um, yeah, it was fascinating to me that you, you know, you would have to, it was actually quite stressful for me for her <laughs> to read because, because she's like a fraud, but you know, she's, she looks like who was it because there was herself there before? These are parallel yes. versions of her. So life. she yes. was there. It's not like she's somebody new, but herself being is there. But now she's popped into that, and she has no idea. And these people expect her to know things, and she's and they keep asking her, "Are are you all right?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you you kind of hit on it. It was stressing you out as a reader. I was I I, I was surprised that she wasn't more freaked out. Because we really got into that with the chapter with Ash and Molly. Oh, yes. With the section. Yes. Where she wakes up and it's the middle of the night and she's asleep next to a figure. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Who she thinks she, you know, knows, but he's sleeping. So she gets up t- to go to the bathroom and she walks out in the hallway and there's a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I, if I walked out into a hallway and there was a five-year-old, I, I might have freaked out a little <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, who are you and where have you come from? But... She was, she very much, and maybe by then it's just because she was like used to jumping into right. the lives, but she very much just rolled with it. And her, um, her game, you know, to like to calm the little girl and also get a little bit of information about her life and where it was, was pretty ingenious. Oh, absolutely. Like, let's talk about the things we know are true. And then she gave, the five-year-old gave up all the, <laughs> right. all the information she needed just by a series of basically of 20 questions. I found it fascinating because she definitely, the character definitely grows throughout the book, just in yeah. her, um, because the whole premise is, you know, you're between life and death. So you have a chance to undo your death, so to speak, mm-hmm. or you can choose to die. Or, well, I forget. 
You don't choose to die. Death chooses you. That's how what the librarian said. Yeah. Yeah. Death comes to you. You don't go to it. So based on your choices in the Midnight Library and how you grow, so to speak, or uh, change your viewpoint, perception or whatever of your life and your past life. Um, yeah, I just but that particular one, the story with Molly and Ash, mm-hmm. this was her perfect life. I mean, it was, I mean, in her mind, this was her perfect right. life. This was the life that she wanted. She didn't really work at it, and she said that. Yeah. So she felt guilty for being in it because she wasn't. I hers. noted that too. She was very. She had a. She held on to a lot of guilt in that timeline. Yes, I and it was and it was a lot of it was. This is. It's like it's too good. Yeah, because I'm I didn't not worth. I didn't. This. I didn't work for it. Yeah, I didn't do nothing to get this beautiful life that is here for me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a fascinating take because... And I don't... I mean, I not to go, like, too psychological here and on our lighthearted podcast, but, like, <laughs> I... Like, I've had that thought. Like, things are things are going too good right now. What? Something's going to come something's along gonna come and along, derail, right, th- right, you know? And, right. and I feel like she was living like that all the time in this timeline. Yeah. Very much just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. And it, it never really did in in that life no no but and but, but then she, she still she still she got sent back i mean she still realized that she was going to be sent back and yeah and i think part of that was because of that um the police incident is what they called it in the uh the chapter and it was about how uh right before she tried to kill herself she was helping this young man or young boy with piano lessons mm-hmm. and she canceled on him because you know she was in a bad place and whatever yep. and so she meets that same young man in this in this chapter of where she went back and she finds out he's in trouble with the police he's stolen some money has a weapon on him and that kind of stuff so she all of a sudden realizes well okay what would have happened then if i would have kept him in piano cuz he was like a really good piano player and i would have helped him with his piano lessons and that's when she gets sent back she knows that this is not her life it she starts re- to she has that feeling yes yep. she knows that this is not the life that she should have had but maybe she should have had the life that she's trying to run away from by taking her life i think that's the first inkling that she um that even though this life is really everything she could have asked for, she still wasn't feeling that satisfaction right? With, that she was expecting to feel with her decision making. Right. Yeah. I I liked the idea of being able, and, and we've seen this lots of times in novels and movies, and the idea of being able to go back and see, like, what would right. have happened. Um, personally... <laughs> I'm not sure if I landed in a midnight library between life and death. If I'd if I'd want to know. Um <laughs> I just took a sip of that drink and woo. Kelly just took another sip of whoa. martini. I think You're it was doing too, better than me though. Too I got a big of one up. or something. Whoa. Anyway. Um so this I gotta tell you, this book, I love this book. Because this is technically my uh, uh philosophy of life. Okay. There are no regrets in life. Okay. There are no regrets. You cannot go back and you cannot, you ask my husband. You're talking about the big all caps word. No regrets. regrets. Okay. No regrets in life. The decision you make is the decision you make and go with it. And you, and you go with it. And, um, and again, Mrs. Elm, the librarian, she had a great quote. It was, um, you don't try and understand life. You live it. Yeah. And so, and that's just it. I mean, 
you can never understand what happens in life, right? It, there's no reason of what happens in life. It just happens. And so you just live your life and you live with the decisions you make and there's no regrets. Oh, because you can't. There's nothing to There's undo. nothing you can do. You can't undo them. No, we don't have access to these parallel no. or perpendicular <laughs> well, universes. I know there are quantum, <laughs> quantum physics quantum people building. working on it. <laughs> right. But, but no, we don't. So you have to be present in the life that you have and be happy in the life that you have. It's all about, you know, your personal happiness. Yeah. And I admittedly am a am a dramatic overthinker. I oh. I I like you, I can I can make I can make a decision. I'm I am I will weigh both sides of something, but I I can decide. I'm not someone who leaves a lot un unfinished as far as decisions go. Does it take me a minute sometimes to come to them? Sure. Oh, cuz I'm going to weigh the, I'm going to weigh the right. pros of each thing. Um, I can make a snap decision if I need to. I don't like to. Um, but I do, I do, especially if it's going to impact somebody else, will overthink what I've, what I've chosen. And especially if it's been a snap decision. Right. Was that the right thing? Was that the right thing? Was that the right thing? What if, what if, what if? And it, it's something that I'm working really hard. I give myself <laughs> like, like one day. Come back from those. I give myself one day with that kind of thought. Okay. And then, you know, and then I'm really like, well, Okay, yeah, I can sit here and think like that, mm-hmm. but what is it going to do? Nothing. The decision's been made. Nothing. <laughs> and it doesn't we all do have anything. To, no, but I give myself a little bit because we all should give yourself that little bit to, you know, second guess yourself or whatever because you get that little bit of self pity wallowing and not necessarily. Or can you undo something that's been done? Yeah. That maybe doesn't help, doesn't feel right anymore. So I give myself that little bit, and then it's like, okay, okay done, done. Yeah. Do you find that? Um, the better you get at that, the less or the more that you can trust like a gut feeling. Like, have you ever made a decision and then immediately in your stomach, you're like, no, no, no that wasn't the right one. That was <laughs> I have to I have to go back the other way. Probably. But I don't know. Okay. Right off the bat. Yeah. No, because I, I feel like. But, you know, I have no problem changing my mind of the decision I make either. OK, so well, <laughs> I'm like my decisions never really set in stone. OK. I mean, yeah, there are some decisions that you cannot do. Like having children or something right. like that, but yeah. um, you know, or not, or not, or not having them, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I but I, I don't know. I can always change my mind if I. I can. I'm never afraid to just okay. Let's try this instead. This didn't work. Let's go here. Yeah. Never afraid of that. So that's why maybe I don't have. I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your your book of regrets wouldn't be that big. Probably not. Okay. No. All right. No. No. Well, at least I don't think so. But maybe yeah. if I got in the midnight library. Maybe it's all hidden, <laughs> and I don't know. They're all the sub regrets. <laughs> so little. maybe once I get and get my book of regrets, it could be really big. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I don't. I I don't know that I have too many like all caps like that. There there are a few things maybe that I and and I again I don't know that they were life altering. They were just things that like I'm sorry that I didn't do, not because of the way something turned out, but because. I didn't I didn't show up for somebody when I should have or or could have or I missed out on like a nice opportunity to experience something fun. Right. Um, I don't know if I have any like, you know, I I, I, like Nora, I didn't leave somebody two days before the wedding or I didn't give up my shot at fame. I I've never 
I've never been close to being famous. Right. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's not I don't have those kinds of like major life right. shifts. Right. So. It does the book does make you think. And mm-hmm. you know, and in the end, obviously, um, she did do a lot of growth and so she ends up getting out of the Midnight Library. Yes. Um, but she has to she has to find the one book because the Midnight Library is all based on Nora, right? right. So when her when she's waffling in her emotions and stuff, she the it tremors the midnight library tremors and shakes and stuff when she f- is waffling more towards the dying mm-hmm. or you know the yeah being the I'm never gonna find the right life right yep so then it starts to tremble and stuff but um then there's the the scene at the end where it's all the books catch on fire and stuff like that and she has to find the one book oh my God. The fire <laughs> in the library is like a worst case scenario <laughs> she has to find the one book that will help her because there's no exit out of the library because when she entered the doors closed it's it just right. sealed shut right um so she has to find that one book on the shelf that is not burning that's waiting there for her and when she gets there it's an it's a she opens it up it's a blank book right yeah and she doesn't know what to do and then she tries a couple things like um i am alive or something like no, that. that's the one that works oh that's the yep. one that works okay yep. she writes it differently in the beginning um and then she does a second try, and she's like, I am alive. And that's what puts her back into her life. And she's back in her bedroom where she yeah. vomits up she's throwing all the antidepressants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. She, so she chose to live. And so she heads back, gets back. Yeah. yeah. And and she, she atones for some stuff. She reconnects with people that she's been missing. Right. And, um, and realizes that a lot of it was her and her mindset, right? Yeah. It's not that anybody was doing anything to her. Mm-hmm. It's just the way she was perceiving her life and and how the decisions she was making were affecting other people. Right. She, and in some of those cases, like with her brother, she never really considered if how she perceived his feelings about her to be true. She just she thought I did this thing. He's not talking to me now. Right. But never really got with him to the heart of the matter. Right. And so there was there was some stuff there's a lot about self-perception and also other people's perceptions of you and how that can affect your your own I guess well-being. Right. Right. So all um, in all I I really liked the book. I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I've I mean, been, I guess some people could say it was predictable cuz you you just knew that I mean, did you ever have any doubt that she was going to come out of the library? No, but I've read a, enough books recently that have surprised me with their okay. endings. That I was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't. Maybe you know, she's going to find out that this is irreversible. Well, I don't know. Right. And maybe, yeah, maybe there was that little bit that it wasn't really her choice, but maybe, you know, like to come out. Maybe yeah. it was just sealed shut and her choice was going to be made for her that she was going to die. There was that little bit of thought. but Yeah. And I, um, I was curious. <laughs> If you gave any thought to who your Mrs. Elm would be, oh, that's a good question. Because I did think about it, but I never, I, I don't really know. Come to a, I couldn't come, but she had such a defining moment in that in that library with Mrs. Elm because Mrs. Elm was the one who told her her father had died, right? Yeah, and so, um, so and she'd always remembered her. It was a bit, was and a she big... spent a lot of time in the library prior to that, yeah, and had a relationship with Mrs. Elm before yeah. that and even at that time she was avoiding being out with the other kids and she mm-hmm. spent the time in the library to hide willingly willing just, yeah she yeah that was her place she felt comfortable right so i don't know like 
if I have that one defining moment like that. I think no, I do know I have, I, and I don't know who it is. And I'm, I'm often so. Here's something I'm sorry about that I don't remember the name of the librarian who did this. But I was in a class in college when one of the undergrad librarians came to my lecture and gave us like a full demo of all of the resources that were available. And I was like, this, this is a job. This is awesome. How do you get this job? And that's actually how I found out about library science. Okay. But it's, I don't know who that lady is. Right. Maybe she would be my. Maybe she would be because she made a difference in your life. Maybe she would be my midnight librarian. Put you on the path to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's maybe like the most, I don't know. I I guess if I'm going to, that's maybe a career defining moment in time for me because I didn't even know that librarianship was a thing until this person came to my classroom and said, look at all this amazing stuff. I can remember my elementary school librarian. I think her name was Mrs. Milliken. And she is the one, and this was always my favorite book and still really is, is she's the one that um, gave me Freaky Friday to read. (laughs) Okay, I love that book, and I still love that book. Um, But anyway, every time I would reread that book, and if it wasn't out, I would have to go to her. Is that checked in? Oh. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So it would be... I guess when you're re- if you're if you decide to listen or if you decide to read this, listeners, g- think about that. It's you know, sh- um, Nora got Mrs. Elm, whoever the guy was from Norway got somebody else. Right. So evidently there is somebody in in that. Wh- what is the word in the in between? Right. The in between help you figure out what <clears throat> what right. it was you were trying to do or the place in your life you were trying to get to right according to this book so um i know matt haig also writes a lot of nonfiction titles so um i the people that i've talked to who have read this and have also read some of his nonfiction, it's a little divided some people oh. wish that he would just stick to the non. oh really <laughs> some people were okay with the midnight library oh, okay. so um i thought it was very creative yeah I, I liked it. I'm glad we read it. I've been this one's been on my list for a really long time and this was a great excuse to have to pick it up. So mm-hmm. yeah, good choice. Okay, so next time. Mm-hmm. Well, any any final thoughts? Uh no. Okay. Give it a read. Give it a read. It didn't take <laughs> very long. Go. No, it didn't. And um and I wouldn't here's the thing about the Midnight Library. <laughs> so normally we let the book tell us what to drink. Oh. This one there was we it didn't because no. sh- they were very much people in this book were trying to avoid the only avoid drinking well so. the only part the only one that would have was vodka because when she was in norway as the do on the glacier oh right she was her and that other woman had just yeah. downed a fifth of vodka yeah. the, the night before and they were very hungover so that's yeah. the only thing that i could think of oh and winery because remember oh, right. she, one, one of, of her, her lives yep. she was a uh she owned she a winery a vineyard. a vineyard yeah yep. yeah so but i don't i don't drink wine right so <laughs> So. <laughs> so thanks for indulging me in the martinis. Um, but yeah, so this one's not, this one didn't have a whole bunch of, of uh, recommendations as far as booze goes, but I, you know, not everything's going to. So, right. But yeah, give it a read. It was good. All right. So for our next book is Lucy Foley. Oh, that's right. The Paris Apartment. The Paris Apartment. Yes. I read The Guest List by Lucy Foley last year, I think. And it was. I was really pleased that I didn't guess how the ending was going to go throughout the whole book. Because that's one of those, like, 
one timeline but multiple narrators. Oh, okay. And so you're getting a little bit more every time you read someone's take on the story. So that one kept me guessing. So I'm excited to read the new one. Okay. So we'll be back in about a month with our evaluation of that. And then for episode 30, Kelly, episode 30. Episode 30. We're going to be reading The Hotel Nantucket. Oh, that's right. Ellen Hildebrand. Yes. It's our brand new one. The new one will be out. We pre-ordered it. We did. On <laughs> our weekend. We're going to get little tchotchkes with it. Right. So, <laughs> so if you're thinking ahead and you want to be able to read those before you listen to our next two episodes, we'll be, once again, the Paris apartment and then the Hotel Nantucket for yes. June. Yes. So in the meantime, we hope you enjoy whatever you're reading and drinking. And, and we're we will... going to finish this martini. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.